Isaiah chapter 9 this morning. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. I want to spend a little bit of time together in this time we share before our morning preaching service about Isaiah's prophetic vision of the incarnation. Or if you will, what Isaiah saw. What Isaiah saw. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, in verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment, with justice, from henceforth forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's pray together. Lord, as we gather this Lord's Day, as we do every week of the world, as a church family, Lord, we gather to celebrate the empty tomb. We gather to celebrate the risen Lord. And Lord, as a culture, as we focus on your coming today, Lord, we focus back Lord, some 700 years before that hillside will be alight with the glory of God and the angels giving the message to the shepherds. Some 700 years, Lord, before Mary and Joseph would find no room in an inn. 700 years before the Lord of glory would become flesh and dwell amongst us. Lord, you gave a vision to a man named Isaiah. Lord, you had him pen some words that must have seemed crazy words. But Lord, I thank you they were true words. I thank you they were your words. And Lord, as we focus on them this morning, Lord, I pray that you would be glorified. Lord, help us to lift up Christ. How wonderful our reason for gathering. Lord, bless us now. Help me. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. i got to share a funny story with you before I begin the message this morning. Several years ago, Rebecca and I drove out to Wainwright. How many of you know where Wainwright is, our military base out on the Saskatchewan border? It was about a week ago, uh, the second, third week of December. Uh, this was several years ago. You were probably... 13, 14 years old. So it's been a few years. And we, I believe we borrowed my neighbor's Jeep, actually. We drove down there. Weather was horrible. It was snowing sideways, 30 below. Miserable weather. And Rebecca and I were hunting. And the special, it's a special tag. You've got to go on the military base. We had to get there early. We had to go through orientation. And they had to talk about, you know, if you see a, if you see a, a, uh, a shell or a mortar or an explosive. Brother Ma, they told us not to touch it for some reason. Uh, the testing facility. And, and we went through all of that. And then we finally got to go out. And we were hunting, looking for deer. And it was really, really, really bad weather. 
And we drove down on one corner of the base, and, and it's not, as you think of a military base, it's not like just a little area of buildings. It's, it's a mass area of bush and openness. It's a testing facility, weapons testing. And we drove down in this little area, little hilly area, and we drove down, and everything is covered in snow, and we're setting in the vehicle with the vehicle running because it's really cold, and Rebecca's a wimp. And as we're there, I had my binoculars, and I'm looking in the distance. I'm looking on the far hillside, looking in the trees, hoping to see Bambi or Bambi's big brother or great-grandfather or great-great-great-grandfather. I don't care. Even Rudolph would have been fine. I'm just looking for something. And as I'm looking, Brother Mike, I saw something that I knew couldn't be real. You ever done that before? You ever seen something that you went, that's not right. <laughs> that can't be right. And what I saw as I looked at my binoculars, what I thought I saw was a wild turkey. Now, in Alberta, we have wild turkeys, but they're down along the border, along the Milk River, down along the Montana border, maybe 30 minutes north of the border. They're very, 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 very far south. There are no, zero, none, nada, wild turkeys in the bush here. And I'm looking out there, and I grew up in West Virginia, and we have wild turkeys, and I'm familiar with wild turkeys, and I know what they look like, and I'm like, that's, that's a wild turkey. But I didn't want my daughter to think I was crazy. She already knew I was crazy. So I said to her, I said, hey, Rebecca, I said, here, take these binoculars. I said, I want you to look over there on that hillside and tell me what you see. So she got the binoculars, took her about a half an hour to find them because she's horrible with binoculars. And it hasn't changed, Josh. It's still just as bad. And She's looking, and all of a sudden she said, there's a turkey over there. And I went, I'm not crazy. And I saw that turkey, and she saw the turkey. And then we got back to the base that night, and I thought, you know, I should tell somebody on the base, one of the military personnel, what I saw, but I was afraid they would think I was a crazy man. But against my better judgment, I pulled a, I pulled a guy aside as we pulled into the checkout area, and I said, hey, I said, I got to tell you something we saw today. I said, you're going to think I'm crazy. I said, but we were driving, and I told him where we were, and, and before I could say it, he said, you saw a turkey, didn't you? I'm like, you're crazy too? And he said, yeah, some farmer... Just outside the base uh, a year or two ago, decided to see if he could raise turkeys. And he didn't want to raise them anymore, so he let them loose. And he said, there's a few of them over there in the bush. Now, for a little while, I thought what I saw and what my daughter confirmed was craziness. But it was real. I want you to think about this some 700 years before Jesus came to be born of a virgin. 700 years before Bethlehem's stable. Over 700 years before Calvary's tree on Golgotha. 700 years before the empty tomb. We see the words, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I want to give you just three things this morning. 
three things that Isaiah saw. As God gave him a vision, a prophetic vision of the incarnation of Christ, I believe we see three things and three things that I'd like us to focus on this morning. Number one, Isaiah saw a cradle. Isaiah saw a cradle. For unto us a child is born. We see here the incarnation in the flesh. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, that God was manifest in the flesh. Don't miss this statement. This is powerful. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit. Seen of angels, preached unto Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Isaiah saw the incarnation of Christ. He saw that manger, that stable, that place where God of eternity would allow himself to become flesh for you and for me. Not to the royal welcoming crew of the world, but rather the world would say there's no room for you. Later they would reject him. But we see that in John 1.14, the Bible says, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Would you turn to the book of Hebrews with me? Hebrews chapter 1 this morning. I want to read the entire chapter here, just 14 verses. As we think about the incarnation of Christ, as Isaiah would see a cradle, God who at sundry times and of divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world's who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they, for unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son." And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hath laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels saith he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool, are not... 
Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation? We see this morning Isaiah saw the cradle. He saw the incarnation of Christ, God in the flesh. Not only the incarnation, but also intervention. Intervention. The Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, Think of the days of the Tower of Babel when man said, we will build a tower up to the heavens. When the wickedness of the world was so bad that God had to separate and give different languages to keep man from going so far away from God. Jonah. Think of Jonah as he went to preach to the wicked, wicked people of Nineveh who were so far from God. I talked to a missionary in Ireland the other day, and he, he made a statement to me that impacted me greatly. He said, Pastor Rice, he's an older gentleman. He's the oldest, longest-serving missionary in Ireland. He's in Cork. I believe he's middle 60s, maybe 67. I can't remember exactly. In his 60s. And Brother Smith said to me, he said, Brother Rice, he said, I don't understand it. He said, we, for many, many years, we've been begging God to raise up a people for his name here. He said, we go out, he said, we tell people about Jesus, we give out gospel tracts. He said, I preach the gospel. He said, I pray for the people of our city, the city of Cork. He said, we pray for our country, the country of Ireland. And we see very little fruit, a very little fruit. He said, then I read the book of Jonah, and I see a man named Jonah who God sent to Nineveh, and Nineveh prayed and begged God to kill him and got upset when God spared them. He said, Brother Rice, it just doesn't make any sense to me when I read that book. Can I tell you that God intervened? It was not Jonah. It was God that intervened for the people of Nineveh. It was God that intervened for the Gentiles. But calling a man named Saul and sending him to be a chosen vessel to carry the gospel to me and to you. Can I tell you that in the cradle, in that vision that Isaiah saw, not only was it the incarnation, God in the flesh, but it was the great intervention of God for such a time as this. As Jesus came to be your Savior and my Savior, he came to meet the needs of the lost of this world, which is all the world. Not only was it the intervention of God in that cradle, but also inspiration. 700 years before, God said, I'll send my son. And he did. It was not the ravings of a madman that penned the words in Isaiah. It was the inspiration of God. God sent his son. God sent his angels to sing his praise. God sent shepherds. We're going to talk about them this morning. To go and see. He sent the wise men. By the way, let me help you with something. Let me help you with your doctrine. For those of you that get your doctrine from chick tracks, I'll help you see your real doctrine. 
Uh, I'm not upset with you, but if you have wise men in your manger scene at home, you've messed up. Uh, the Bible says they came to the house where the young child was. Uh, they began to seek for Christ uh, whenever he was born. Uh, they didn't get on a jet and fly there. Uh, probably about a two-year journey it took them. Uh, they did not find him at the stable. Uh, rather, they found him at home. But aside from our messed up theology, can I tell you that, yes, the night that Christ was born, the star appeared, and the Lord would send those wise men from the east. By the way, we have no idea how many. There may have been a huge caravan. We know there were three gifts, but there could have been a giant caravan of men who were searching for the king. Can I tell you that all of that came about by inspiration of God? What did Isaiah see? What was Isaiah's vision as Isaiah saw what God showed him? Isaiah saw a cradle. But he saw more than that. I believe Isaiah saw a cross. We see the words in our text, and I want to ask you to turn back there, but we see the words unto us. A son is given. A son is given. Almost 700 years later, a man named John will be given the words by the same Holy Spirit that moved upon Isaiah to pen the words we know in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 is God would give Paul to pen to the church at Galatia. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Dear friend, can I tell you that Jesus did not come to be worshipped in a manger. The shepherds did worship him. I'm going to talk about them this morning. But that's not why he came. He didn't come so we could sing songs about his coming. Nothing wrong with those. I'm glad we can, but that's not why he came. He did not come so we could celebrate his arrival. He came for one purpose. The Bible says he set his face like a flint. Towards Calvary. Some dear friends of mine just a few weeks ago were there at Calvary. They got to go and walk the streets in the hills where our Lord was as he walked this earth. I saw some beautiful pictures that they took and posted online. I saw some of those beautiful places where Jesus, they think, fed the 5,000. I saw some wonderful places and beautiful places. But can I tell you, Calvary was not a beautiful place. It was a bloody, cruel place. But that's why he came. 
That's why we have the words in the book of Isaiah, unto you, a son is given. I believe the prophet Isaiah, although he may not have understood it, although he may have seen the vision God gave him and went, that doesn't really make any sense. But I'll tell him, Lord. But I believe Isaiah saw the cross. By the way, if we have Bethlehem's manger without a cross, we have nothing. Nothing but liturgy. Nothing but traditionalism. Nothing but empty, hollow, worthless religious experience. That's it. Without the cross. Without the cross, the coming of Jesus Christ means absolutely nothing. If you separate the cross from Christmas, you have absolutely nothing. We see this morning, I believe Isaiah saw that cross. Lastly, this morning, Isaiah saw the cradle. Isaiah saw the cross. But I believe Isaiah saw a crown. The Bible tells us in our text back in the book of Isaiah, the government, the government shall be upon his shoulders. The government shall be upon his shoulders. I believe, number one, he saw a crown of glory. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 2, you're there if you want to look across, look across the page, in verse 9, but we see Jesus. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. We see, quote-unquote, paintings, artist depictions of Jesus often, most of those artists were lost heathen that conceptualized the Christ that you have come to imagine as what he looked like. Many of them, many of those paintings were commissioned by the Catholic Church and their false doctrine and false philosophy of who Christ was. And often in many of those quote-unquote paintings, and by the way, you understand they're nothing more than someone's imagination of Christ. We see a glowing halo around him. Can I tell you, when Christ walked this earth, there was no glowing halo. The Bible said there was nothing about him that was good to look about. Nobody went and said, wow, look at that guy. He walked by and nobody noticed him. But the Bible tells us that he would be crowned with glory and honor. Not while he walked this earth. Not as he lay in that manger stole as a baby, as an infant. Not as he grew up in the home of Barry and Joseph. Not as he worked as a carpenter. Not as he taught and walked and spent time with those men that he called into himself those disciples. 
not as he performed the miracles. He would not have a crown of glory. But one day, can I tell you, if we could peel open heaven, if we could see what Stephen saw, if we could look past the temporal into the eternal, if we could have a vision likened to Stephen's vision as he was being killed for Christ, as he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God the Father, can I tell you, I believe Stephen saw him in glory. There was a few men on this earth who got to see that glory. Peter, James, and John. As they went to the Mount Transfiguration, and he revealed his glory unto them. But no one else saw that glory. One day we'll see it. I believe Isaiah saw it. I believe Isaiah saw the Lord, the Lord of glory. He saw him as wonderful, counselor, prince of peace. Can I tell you, he did not wear a crown of glory down here, but our Savior did wear a crown. In John 19 and verse 5, it says, Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. Behold the man. Who was that man? Pilate had an inscription put above the cross that said, The King of the Jews. The people were upset with him. And they said, You, you wrote it wrong, Pilate. It should have said, He said he was the King of the Jews. But Pilate got it right. He was the King. The only kingly robe he wore was a rag of purple that they would drape across his bloody, naked, shredded body after he was beaten. The only crown he would wear down here was a crown of thorns that would not be placed ceremonially on his head, but rather would be beaten with a rod deep into his scalp. I believe Isaiah saw that crown. My king wore a crown for me. He wore a crown that I might one day wear a crown with him. Amen. He's my king. He died in my place. Isaiah saw the cradle. Isaiah saw the cross. Isaiah saw the crown. Can I tell you that he has a crown of glory? He once wore a crown of thorns, but we read in Hebrews already. Turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11.
Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. We have here in this passage we call the hall of faith. Great hall of faith. Can I tell you that all of those who obtained a good report, we read about in verse 2. These men, it speaks of Abel and Enoch. It speaks of Noah and Abraham. It speaks of Sarah. All of these who by faith, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, they were looking beyond the temporal. They were looking to the eternal. When Abraham left the earth of the Chaldees, and God said, get thee out into a land that I will show thee whose builder and maker is God. Abraham wasn't looking for Israel. He was not looking for the city of Jerusalem. God would lead him there and God would give them the promised land. But can I tell you, that's not the place he was looking for. He was looking for an eternal he was looking for heaven. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, chapter 14, in verse 14, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud sat, sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Can I tell you that my God is not an old, feeble man sitting in a rocking chair. My God is not the old man upstairs. My God is the King, the Lord of glory. Amen. And he will wear the golden crown. And he will be worshipped. Would you turn back to our text, the book of Isaiah with me? Isaiah chapter 9. Number six, for unto us the child is born. Unto us the son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. By the way, that crown. He was not recognized by the world as the king. Mockingly, they called him the king of the Jews, but he was more than that. The Bible tells us that one day when he returns, he will have a name on his thigh, which shall be written king of kings and Lord of lords. He is the king. By the way, speaking of false doctrine, since we're already touched on a little this morning, can I tell you, I'm not angry with you. I know it's semantics, but I want to help you with something. You cannot make God the Lord of your life. I don't make, you can't make a Lord. Uh, I don't make him the king. He is the king. He is the Lord. Now, as a believer in Christ, I can choose to obey the king or disobey him. But I can't make him the Lord. He is the Lord. He doesn't need my approval. I, I, the bumper sticker I've seen says, God said it, I believe it. That settles it. I like two-thirds of that bumper sticker. 
If you get rid of the middle part, if it just says God said it, that settles it, that's good. Because God doesn't need your stamp of approval. God said it, and then, okay, Lord, I believe it. It's all right. It's settled. This book is true whether I believe it or not, whether I agree with it or not. The Bible says there, the government shall be upon his shoulder. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And notice the phrase at the end of verse 6, the Prince. The Prince of Peace. Imagine, if you will, if you were the king of a faraway kingdom and you sent a an emissary to another faraway land. And as the emissary, you sent your own son, the prince. And as your emissary, the prince, your own son, would arrive in that faraway land in your stead to bear your message, to bring the message of reconciliation, to bring those two kingdoms together. Imagine, if you will, that faraway kingdom, rather than receiving the emissary, the prince, the son of the king from the faraway land. Imagine they took and murdered the prince. Can I tell you what would happen in our culture today? We would call it a world war. That king of a faraway land would raise his troops every able-bodied man. And they would leave where they were and they would take with all their force, with all their hatred, with all their power, and they would come to do judgment upon that land that would dare kill the prince, the emissary of the king. We understand that. Can I tell you that the God of heaven sent the Prince of Peace as an emissary to you whereby we who are enemies of God could be reconciled to God. And we killed the King of glory, the Lord of glory. Peter stood before the man of Jerusalem as he spoke, and God worked a miracle that all could hear him in their own tongue. And he said, men and brethren, the same Jesus that you killed is the Christ, the Son of God, the Lord of glory. Imagine the fear that came upon them as they understood what they had done. They killed the Prince of Peace. But I love the fact that Peter's message from God was a message of reconciliation. We killed the Prince of Glory, the Prince of Peace. And yet, God said, I love you so much I sent him. God, knowing how we would treat the Christ, sent him. Christ, knowing that he would go to the cross and wear the crown of thorns and not be welcomed as a king, but rather into a manger stall, 
said, I'll go. I'll go and be the prince of peace. This morning, dear friends, may we think of on this side of Calvary, some 2,000 years after Jesus would go, after he would die, we can look 3,000 years back almost and see the words of the prophet Isaiah. We see that child born in Bethlehem stable that Isaiah sold. We see the son given. We understand the, the full magnitude of that gift and what it cost. We see his crown. And we look forward to that crown that he will wear one day. Not only does he wear a crown, but one day, dear Christian, as we gather with him, as we gather around his throne, the Bible gives us a vision, a glimpse of that casting our crowns before him. In other words, we say to him, you're worthy of everything. That's what Isaiah saw. Christian, what do you see this morning when you think of Christ? When you hear the word Christmas, when you think of the incarnation of our Lord, what do you see? May we see the cross. May we see what Isaiah saw. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for Calvary. I thank you for that empty tomb. I thank you for the reason you came. Lord, we can celebrate your coming because you came to die. We can celebrate your coming today because you made it possible that we could be redeemed. Lord, we worship you, we praise you, we thank you. We lift up the message of the gospel, the message of the empty tomb this morning. Lord, I pray you bless us in our service to come. Lord, may you be with us in our fellowship today. Lord, may you be glorified. In Jesus' precious name we pray.